In this episode of What the Prophets Say with Emma Stark and Sam Robertson, we are talking about lying. And do our lies make us spiritual communists and literal communists as we have lost the art of bold, dissenting truth-telling? Join us for this episode of What the Prophets Say. Hello, our wonderful audience, and welcome to another podcast of What the Prophets Say with me, Emma Stark. We are in our studios once again in Glasgow, in Scotland. It's summertime here. We're recording a whole set for you to listen to. We've had our summer holidays. I'm joined by the effervescent delight that is... Sam Robertson. Do you like being called the effervescent delight, bubbly and... Yeah. I mean, there we go. Not? Any compliments, I'll take. Oh, how about profit to the nation? Profit to the nation. There is we better. go. Okay. And uh, we've got our teas and coffees in hand and ready to dive deep into the word of the Lord to sharpen each other, uh, chat back and forth, and to bring life where we can to your worlds and to strengthen you. Uh, as you listen, as you journey with us, I've actually bought on my holidays. It, you see, it's, yeah, vast. it's a huge mug for my coffee and tea, and you can't get them this size in Britain. No, you can't. You have to go to America or Canada. Yeah. You do particularly love like hot mugs, flasks for teas and coffees. Well, what do we think this is? A liter, a liter and a half. I don't know. It's, I think that's quite normal for American-sized like mugs. It's like a vase. <laughs> it's huge. <laughs> but anyway, we want to keep our, our vocal cords hydrated. Absolutely. But then if you've too much caffeine, then you don't sleep at night. But anyway. And it ruins your vocal cords as well. Too much it, caffeine. It our, does. Our vocal coach friend, Rob Cates, Profit Donations as well, tells me off for the amount of coffee I have. And he told me off once because he caught me drinking caffeine coffee before I preached and prophesied. They said that's the worst thing to ever do. It does. Yeah, he's right. It does dehydrate. Apparently so does dairy. Yeah, it does. It dehydrates the vocal cords. But then what do you do when you love cheese and coffee? Well, you don't eat cheese before you preach. <laughs> I do. Surely you eat it after you preach. Both. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> Surely cheese is the stuff well, of dreams. It depends what cheese. All cheese. Is there any cheese that's inedible, apart from the plastic yeah. stuff that they put on burgers? Velveeta. What is that? Like the American cheese that you melt. I don't think it's real cheese, but they melt into like cheese sauce. What? But it just comes in a big block. Oh, you don't You don't need to worry about it. It's just, I don't think it's real cheese. I think it's like flavoured sauce. Have you offended some people right now who actually No, I that? don't. I actually quite like it, but I'm very well aware that when I eat it, I'm not eating like... Real cheese. Right. Okay. I like <laughs> cheese in a tin. Yeah. So like, what's your favourite cheese, Sam? This is an intelligent way to start a podcast. I, I like a blue cheese. Yes. A di- what, like a... Um just, gorgonzola. Yeah, like that kind of stuff. Like Stilton or yeah, gorgonzola. Cheese that I can have just a little bit of, but is really rich. I like a camembert or a brie with a nice chutney. I do like a nice chutney. and Or, or a Swiss cheese fondue. And a boiled <gasps> egg. What? Yeah, I, yes, I do. I, I know you do, and beetroot. I do. You do. You have your little favourite ceremonial do, dinner. I do. You do. On Sunday nights. On Sunday nights. How did you remember that? Because I've just known you. I've known you for a decade. <laughs> you have your little ceremony on a tray. I like my soft boiled eggs, pickled onions, and yeah. cheese on Sunday night dinner. Yeah. Like your ceremonial, like I've done Sunday. I've done Sunday. Here's I've preached treat. to the nations. Yeah. I'm going to have boiled eggs, soft boiled eggs, 
toast soldiers cut into soldiers yeah. like I'm a wee kid with cheese and, and pickled onions. Gotta love a pickled onion. No. <laughs> but yes, I can understand why you do. Okay. Okay. Right, I think we should go Shall on to lies. Shall we just prophesy, now that you've heard our... Yeah, you can you can email us in with your favourite cheeses. Yeah, what's your ceremonial dinner after your, church on your Sunday? Ceremoni- <laughs> ceremonial <laughs> church dinners. Okay, marvellous. Now, I actually have a little bit of a agitation in my spirit from the Spirit of God, a Holy Ghost agitation, about our lack of bold truth-telling. And this sense of the Lord wanting us to be courageous with the truth. Now, that's a fairly standard thought for prophets. But I really believe that we are in the days, Sam, where nations are going to change. And the conversations about how do you change a nation? How do you deliver a nation? And we tend to think it takes a great heft of agreement, a big stadium event, yeah, a big lots gathering. Lots of strategies. Totally. Or many, many godly politicians. Now, we love all of those kind of things. and There's totally a place for it. But I'm struck in scripture by how things change by the truth and the courage of the one or the two, the small numbers. And I've been very taken. Let's work with numbers 25 today and I do have some strong things to say about this so hold on to your hats and numbers 25 is the story of um we've got it open in front of uh, us if you want to do the same too while you're listening but we'll tell you the story it's Israel uh it says in in the translation I've got here the Israelite people began to play the harlot with the daughters of Moab And they go into really lifestyles of uh, sexual promiscuity, the, the whole nation. And they are sacrificing to the Moabite gods. They're eating and they're buying down to false idols. And it says by verse 3, Numbers 25, So Israel joined themselves to Baal of Peor, and the Lord was angry against Israel. Wow. Verse 4. I mean, that's dreadful when yeah, the Lord it? is angry with a nation. Uh-huh. I mean, we have to be... Here's the, here's the deal with this truth-telling. Is God actually angry with our nations? The Lord said to Moses, take all the leaders of the people and execute them in broad daylight before the Lord so that the fierce anger of the Lord may turn away from Israel. What strikes me here is this is not just the death of the sinful. This is the death of the sin free. It's the leaders of the people Um, that are punished in in that verse. It's startling. And it's that sense for me of how much God particularly spits at our deceptive practices, at our sexual immorality, and that sense that we have no real understanding of the consequence of sin. Mm -hmm. It's offence before God. Yeah. And the consequence of sin, not just on our own selves, you know, I, you know, the consequence of my sin is only on me. The consequence of, of our sin on others and those who are around as well. Yes. So we're now down in verse six. And it says this, Then behold, one of the sons of Israel came and brought to his relatives a Midianite woman. Now, in other words, here's a whole household in sexual perversion. Yeah. He's bringing this woman in, the despite the fact that Moses has clearly said, this is not where we're yeah. going. And there's mass slaughter um, of righteous and unrighteous to try to assuage the Lord's anger. 
So it says this, the whole, one of the sons of Israel came and brought to his relative Midianite woman in the sight of Moses mm-hmm. and in the sight of all the congregation of the sons of Israel while they were weeping at the doorway of the tent of meeting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's cloth-eared, that isn't is. it? That's dumb, really. Foolish, foolish behaviour to not clock what's going on. And here's the turn of the story, because this does not look good for the nation of Israel. And here is when one arises with the aptitude and the courage for bold truth-telling, who has so wanted righteousness. Verse 7, when Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, Mm. the son of Aaron the priest, saw it, he arose from the midst of the congregation and took a spear in his hand. And he went after the man of Israel into the tent and pierced both of them through, the man of Israel and the woman through the body. I think one translation is through the stomach. I mean, it's really brittle. We In our day, I don't think we're being asked to spear people physically. No. Unless God particularly says, but wouldn't recommend it. But certainly the spear of the tongue and with words that says that is not right or this is right. And then it goes on where the latter half of verse eight. So the plague on the sons of Israel was checked or stopped. Those who died by the plague were 24,000. What a story of one man, one man saying here is truth who actually turns away the Lord's anger from an entire nation. Though actually, to be perfectly honest, he's in quite a private place here. He's in a man's house or tent. This is not this massively huge platform that he's accrued. It's not influence that is far reaching. It's bold, courageous, truth telling and bravery in actually one man's tent. But it's enough of a standard of truth and righteousness that God... uh, turns his whole trajectory of how he's going to interact with that nation. Mm. I mean, he will have lived um, marked by the concept of God who loves righteousness and hates wickedness that by impulse he just had to make some things right and if you keep reading you can read of the covenant God makes not just with Phineas but with his generations actually God credits Phineas he says he is the priest that has turned my anger away from the Israelites since he was as zealous for my honour among them as I am what a verse that Phineas was as zealous for the honour of God for righteousness as God was and I think that is quite challenging you know am I as zealous for righteousness as God is am I as desiring honor of God as God desires and what does that motivate and I do think that whole sense of one person can turn something has to come back to us mm-hmm. and I think if we can speak you know, there was a massive move, and I think rightly so, away from the concept of one man ministry. You know, like yes. one man on a platform, yes. one person on a platform. But we don't want to balance that with a loss of I as an individual, me and my myself, called by God, filled with power and authority. There can be a moment where I speak something or say something that brings a liberation to others as I, you know, love righteousness as God does. I think it's the same principle in the wrestle over Sodom and Gomorrah with Abraham. How, how many? How many truth tellers? Yeah. How many righteous people? Um, if I put truth telling and righteousness together, because I think it is, yeah. and the sense that we stop dissenting because of the kickback. Yeah. And here we are 
most of us who should be, particularly as prophets who love revelation, instinctively dissenters who are standing with truth uh, against something that we know to be a lie. And the tendency over time to pull back from your dissenting capabilities, to pull back from saying, actually, I don't think this is right. And even if you do it very lovingly, I think we still tame ourselves because of the cost of the dissent, not realising that my dissent, like Phineas of Eleazar, my saying, I don't think this is right, actually is how God might rescue an entire nation. Let's push this and let's be honest, and I've not primed you with this, so it's on the spot. How old were you, Sam? And I'll tell you my version of it, when you told your first lie that you're conscious of. See, I'm fair. I, I remember telling a, lot, like a really simple one about my school-packed lunch, not eating it, yeah. but telling that I had when I was probably about, yeah. oh, I don't know, six, seven. It's super little. I, yeah. It's super little, isn't yeah. it? And the sense that um, I remember when my father first found out that I had lied, uh-huh. I can't, I, do you know what? I actually even can't, can't remember, remember what it was said. about, but I remember the ensuing conversation. Yeah. And this is the, growing up in the north coast of, of Ireland. I was certainly under 10 years old. And this was the day very much where you smacked your children. Yeah. And I remember my dad's, um, and he was, he, he didn't often, you know, punish us like that his bulging eyes and disapproval was usually quite sufficient because we honoured him so much and he was a man of great he is a man of great dignity and integrity so if he told us off it was almost enough but I remember the sense where he's like you have given me no choice but to bring out the wooden spoon and to bring a physical punishment and I I associated the lying with a physical pain and I still remember his upset at having to train me that this was wrong so let's let's push this thought so you know there's a young child, let's tell a story, uh, you know, to illustrate the point. There's a young, there's a young child who's not done their homework. They know they've not done their homework. They know they're going to get into yeah. bother when they go into school. So what do they do? Mummy, mummy, daddy, daddy, I'm not very well today. And and isn't it incredible how young we instinctively do that yeah. and then how we grow to accept our own lie. Oh, that's a white lie. That's a lesser oh, you truth. you justify. That's not yes. a bad lie. And then what do the mum and dad do? Maybe the wee boy, the wee girl said, mummy, mummy, I'm not well today, but it's really because they're not done But they hide that. They lie. Yeah. They cover that. It's a half truth. And But maybe they are a wee bit dehydrated so they don't feel so super well, but they could, you know. So it's it's we're sort of semi there in terms of truth and lie. But the mum, she's lonely. She's had a rough day. She's fallen out with her husband. So she says to herself privately, you know, um, I would quite like the company of my children at home today. So she lies internally and and says, oh, okay, you can stay at home because you're sick rather than because I want company. And we know that's true. And we know that that's the story of how we interact from very, very young years of our own PR. Well, that we believe the half-truths, the ha- so that when we grow up, we actually 
do a lot to protect the lies, to protect our substandard culture. And because being a dissident is so painful and so rejected, we settle into a place where we stop saying, what about this standard of righteousness? What about that being an issue? What about we rethink about this? And then we defend whole lie structures that we kind of know, let's take the structure of the church or how we do business or how we do politics. We know it's substandard in terms of great righteousness or great strategy. We know we don't in Britain work a really robustly successful immigration policy or NHS yeah. or education system. We we know we, we lack good strategy, but our leaders aren't truth tellers about that. And so we silence the dissident. We, we silence that. And then we become spiritual communists because we like everybody to be homogenized yeah. or we become literal communists in our nation, though saying we're all free, but actually we don't like anybody who speaks truth and who is a dissenter. Maybe we're more communists both in the church and in our, in our Western supposedly free worlds than we think. Because we don't like the dissident. Yeah. We don't like the truth teller. We don't like the person who yeah. holds anything to account because we're trained in the art of lies. And here in scripture, it just takes the one. And God says, I can turn the destiny of a nation around yeah. by somebody who loves truth. Yeah. And it's shocking. And I think when you, your culture, your inner world, your family, your business, whatever it might be, when it's so formed with lies, the unfortunate thing is when a moment of truth comes forward and it may even even just be a little truth. It may not be, you know, a big shocking truth. It it is a shocking event because it's unusual. And you see mm-hmm. that when there is truth, whether it's in our world, whether it's in media, whether there is someone in a church institution who speaks up and says, no, here is a truth. We actually don't know how to respond. And yeah. almost it, it's made a catastrophe when a truth is brought forward because lies prop up um, all that we, we do. And yeah. you see here, look, it, it is shocking. And I presume there may have been some kickback relationally he kills two people and he does it brutally the spear goes right through them right through the Israelite man and right into the woman's stomach that is that's gruesome and so Mm -hmm. I'm sure relationally whatever there will have been ripples that is a shocking moment Mm -hmm. yet the shock was what liberated the nation the shock of truth was what broke people in Mm -hmm. and actually God pulled back from his judgment and his anger and decided to start to show mercy I think look it's really easy to point the finger and say that church denomination is propped up by lies That institution is propped up by lies. I'm sure we could sit here and list a million and one different things, structures that are propped up, shaped, built by lies. How about what in me is propped up by lies? What PR am I believing of my own creation over time that I have formed where unaware I'm lying to myself in a way Mm. that actually requires me to to be shocked I think surely that should be the great fear of this age in the sense of like righteous trepidation. I don't mean unholy fear. I mean, the righteous trepidation. What am I believing and propping up? that actually is a lie. Yeah. That we got so far down the line 
And I want to push the word dissident. I know yeah. we talk often about being uh, provocative as yeah, prophets or, or bold truth tellers. But the anointing of the dissident who is brave enough to say, uh, excuse me, the emperor's got no clothes. Yeah. You know, and the, and the bravery of that for the sake of what God can then do in a nation when there's yeah. one or when there's one or two who are saying, you know, we, we we don't want to behave like this. This is not our measurement of righteousness, yeah. and the need for the the what David says in the Psalms: If you desire truth in my innermost parts, the sense of can I be seared with that inside? Um, I think you and I are wired very similarly. Clearly, we're prophets. Whenever we do personality testings over the years, yeah. you and I always sit very similarly. Um, I think that's why we get on very yeah. well, you know, as as a, a because we are very very similar. And even in team, do you remember that lady who came to our staff group? She'd come a couple of times and put us into teams. Oh yeah, teams of people who think the same. You yeah. and I always end up in the same team. Either. And uh, and so it kind it kind of works. Yeah. So I think I'm fairly safe to say that you and I hate being lied to. Yeah, I, yeah, and actually, truth, no matter how brutal it is for us, when we are being told the truth, whether it's about ourselves or about a situation, I actually find it very empowering. And it's yes. odd. Sometimes that is. Oh. I'm hearing something about myself here that's truth. It's painful, but I'm empowered because now we can have the helpful conversations that yes. actually can bring liberation as this particular biblical mm. event says. And, and and the sense of the lies that disempowers the ability to choose better or lies that then disempower the ability to choose well or lies that disempower your ability to get free or to be liberated. Yeah. And I see that a lot with different people. And, you know, I was um, with a friend um, just recently this week and they said something that was quite funny, but I was really heartened by it. And they just said, I just asked someone, if they would find anywhere in my life that they could rebuke me. And I thought, yes. oh, that's quite an interesting way to put it. But the hunger in this young person's life to just say, if there's anything in me that yeah. is resistant or is built by lies, find it, rebuke it, call me out. Yes. Because they said, I wanted, I want to be the best version of myself. You and I actually with church leaders recently, we were doing a, a yeah. leadership um, prophetic word and they did ask both of us as the prophets in the room, yeah. Tell us, is there anything in our church leadership style that needs yep. corrected? Yeah. And you just want to I mean, celebrate you, that. I mean, my yeah. word. Totally. And you know that even if there's something to say or nothing to say from the prophet yeah. to sharpen them, that heart totally. of please tell mm -hmm. me the truth, no matter what. Yeah. I mean, it's an often commented on parenting style and we apply it with our children. I would rather you tell me the truth than me find out later. Yeah. You know, so if you, so when they're very little and yeah. they're, you know, toddling around, it's if you knock into something and break something, yeah. own up, don't hide it. Yeah. And, and, and that, and we actually have shown them, if I find out later that you lied, the punishment is greater yeah. than actually you telling the truth yeah. in the moment. Yeah, almost not to minimise the action, but the response to the action of truth or lie 
is almost more important in the sense of you can deal when someone's honest with you or tells you the truth, you can deal with the situation, but actually the lie down the line, and it could just be that you find out another way or or whatever it might be. It, as well, I think, in just daily life, it does yeah. disempower you to, to fix it or make it right. I suppose to, to you and to myself, uh, Sam, and to our you know loyal listeners here, do you want to live? Do we want, do I want to live believing lies? Yeah. I mean, ultimately that is, if I can't say, you you know, do you desire to my inner part, if I can't be that dissident, if I can't, um, and, and let me say again, I think truly free nations are not necessarily Western democracies, but truly free nations are where there there is the love of the dissident who yeah. holds a standard or is allowed to speak and hold somebody to a kind. Absolutely. Surely that is the measurement of freedom where truth is spoken and truth is received and truth is accepted. Um, and the, the sense then of if we support, here's the problem, if I support your lie and you support my lie and we silently do like that, yeah. like that mother and child in that story yeah. together who supported each other's lie to for various different reasons about homeworks and sicknesses and the mum wanting company if we support each other's lies ultimately where do we get yeah. as a nation or as the people of God and the sense of do you want to walk the line towards what your lies means yeah. and do you in relationships want to always say you're the problem you're to blame yeah. you're this you're that you're the issue because if you do that you know somewhere you are on the trajectory to only believe your own lies absolutely and where will you land in a relationship where you will not say, I, I think I was to blame there or can we sharpen each other about yeah. what went wrong or can we be vulnerable back and forth to yeah. one another about this situation that we need to fix or sort? Because if, if, if one party shows no ability for, can, can, we just sharp, can you sharpen me here? Ultimately, they are in a, a, a satanic trap of believing that um, they are without correction, which Absolutely. is a, which is an ownership of their own lying structure. Absolutely. And when you live in your own lying structure, you are absolutely this in the snare of Satan, and ultimately that will take you down yeah. into deep waters. Let's look at the story of, of of Jonah, who will not speak the truth, yeah. and who, who will not be the dissident, the voice of God, the prophet, who ends up, you know, on this ship. And once you speak lies and you're in the bait of Satan, ensnared by him because you will not own some stuff and you will not own, be brave enough to own your own issues. He's then in danger of shipwrecking uh, the whole boat Absolutely. and the monster of the deep is given permission to take him out yeah. and he goes down into the depths and, and he suffers this place of death and yet at the beginning of the story he's not the man in sin no. and the craziness of that story is that it's the Ninevites who are the unrighteous yeah. it's the Ninevites who are the ones who need Christ but here is Jonah who opens himself up to the grave and to the 
the being devoured by a sea monster, let's call that Leviathan for a moment because that's what scripture talks sea monsters, you know, likens them to. Here he is in this snare because he will not tell the truth. He will not own the truth. He will not let himself be pierced by truth so that he actually sees the validity of the salvation of the Ninevites. Yeah. So the sea monster has, has, has possession of him and he goes down into the depths and he is dead yeah. and he's dead to a demonic principality and he's endangering the life of everybody else around about him. Yeah. Why? Because he will not tell the truth. Absolutely. And he will not tell the truth not only to the Ninevites, but he will not tell the truth to his own heart Absolutely. because he believes the Ninevites aren't worthy of compassion. Yeah. So you could say, and comparing both those stories, you have Phineas and you have Jonah, the consequences of truth can only ever be liberation, truly. But the consequences of lies can only ever end in some measure of destruction. And you see there, the destruction was not just Jonah. The destruction was a city, a people as well. The consequence of his lie was not just his own kind of remit or his own life. It was others as well that were implicated by it. And I would want to land this conversation in Jezebel's life because, I mean, we've talked about this yeah. before. I don't know whether on this podcast or not, but the fact that when Jehu, the king, yeah, right rides down. up to the window where Dark Jezebel court. has painted her faces, face, faces, maybe faces, that's right yeah. for Jezebel face, yeah. and and cries, you know, who's, who's with yeah. us? It's the eunuchs that chuck her yeah. out of the window and obviously her body is licked up by the dogs. But the point of the truth of that story is Jehu says, you know, who's with me? In other words, who's on the side of truth? And it brings this alertness to the eunuchs, the, I mean, the castrated, the, the sex change operations yeah. of their day type thing, to to then go, oh, hang on a minute. There's another. There's another no way. way. And the, the sense of who's going to say, you don't need yeah. to live like this. There's a higher way. Yeah. I don't need to pander to where I can love you deeply and dearly, but you do know there's a way to get free. Absolutely. You do know there's a higher standard that you can come into. And mm -hmm. I, I'm fascinated by... Um, the sense that um, uh, Gideon is no um, Joshua. Sorry, wrong Bible. Sorry, uh, 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 Joshua is is called to take the children of Israel to Gilgal for circumcision, and the sense that they have to cut something off to be made righteous. The sense that it's something's got to sting, yeah. something's got to hurt to be made righteous, you know, and then we completely cut off our own body parts today in society um, to feel like we're made right in a, in a yeah. perversion, perversion yeah. in a perversion of circumcision. I actually think some of the self-mutilation is a perversion of circumcision. What will make me and we misunderstand better, yeah. yeah that actually I that I have I do have to pay a price for yeah. truth I do have to pay a price for righteousness before God but we've got to explain to the people where the boundaries of that are mm. and where they are not absolutely and to start to speak and to land it in this can start with you our listeners what are you saying what are you putting into the atmosphere you can speak truth with such kindness as well but it still cuts and there may be people around you, you're, there may be relationships and actually the choice to not perpetuate yeah. lies, to not prop up lies, to have the conversation of, hey, I was thinking you know, I've just been aware of this can we have a truth yes. conversation yes. and for you to be 
a spark that starts a fire of truth yes. where you are, but to also pray like the psalmist does, search me and try me. Is there any wicked way in me? Where am I being propped up by my own PR, by yes. my own lies? I have my own PR that I have believed and actually, God, bring a wrecking ball of truth to where I have built something in me that is a lie that I might see things better. I might see things through righteousness. And what does that do? What are the lies I'm believing? And I think it's not even what I'm the lies I'm believing of the thoughts because mm-hmm. we go there often. Oh, you're thinking that wrong way. There's a lie there. Let's take it out. Let's replace it with truth. But I think there's a whole cycle, a whole habit yeah. of response that's shaped by lies where we just have to say, yeah. God, bring your wrecking ball of truth to it. Yeah. Yes. And and I would want to release a dissident anointing. Yeah. And I actually wow. think, oh, I've never done that before. No. I actually think people think, oh, maybe that's a bit rebellious. Y- yes. It's rebellious to lies. Yes, which is wisdom. Yep. Not rebellious to God. Because rebellion to God is as... Witchcraft. Yeah. As, is as, but this dissident anointing that says, um, actually, if I speak this biblical truth, yeah. it... May put me in great rejection, yeah, but is that but is that not the job of the pioneer yeah. anyway? And are you you're you're going for rejection anyway? Yeah. So you pick your rejection. Do you want to be rejected by God because you didn't tell the truth, or do you want to be rejected by um, man because you lied? Yeah. I mean, you pick. Yeah. You pick. What, you're rejected either way. Yeah. So pick. Pick your rejection. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Let's not be rejected by God. Let's speak the truth. And we may be rejected by man. It's going to happen either way. And I think, you know, what do we say into relationships where there is zero truth telling, where you just cannot get an ownership of that in any relationship, in any friendship, in any mother, mother, son, mother, father, in any relationship anywhere across the world, that if you cannot get truth telling back and forward, that is not going to have longevity. It's going to um, lose the, the... anchor of relationships which is this sense that I can be myself I can receive you as you are the, the, the sense of freedom of connection and freedom of connection trust me from being married for 25 years freedom of connection hangs in there yeah. are no lies Absolutely. and if you are in a relationship where somebody cannot own a truth Uh, There cannot be freedom in it and there cannot be longevity in it and there cannot be wellness in it. And if you're one who struggles to hear the truth or to receive the truth, you need to pray, God, give me a teachable heart. Let me receive truth as a joy and as a kindness and as a gift. Because some people, because of maybe some hurtful stuff that was said in their past, whatever it might be, or just never hearing the truth, struggle to hear it, let alone struggle to say it. So if that's you, pray, let me receive truth as a gift. Yeah. Wow. Well, that was intense. (laughs) <laughs> you can tell we've had a bit of a sleep there and a wee go. bit of a holiday and we're back with a bang a fire of in our fire in our bellies well we love you podca- in podcasting land thank you for joining us and, and giving us your ear as we uh, mull and uh, share with you our inner thoughts about the life and times and what God mm. is saying what God is requiring let the dissidents arise in the image of Phineas um, son of Eleazar in accordance with Numbers 25, and may you be that one mm. who tells the truth that even in a secret place, it's enough 
it's enough for God to say, I'm actually going to bless that nation because in there, there is somebody who loves truth and righteousness. May you be those dissidents in Jesus' name. See you next time on What the Prophets Say. Thank you for listening to this episode of What the Prophets Say with me, Emma Stark. If you would like to go deeper with us, you would be very welcome to join our network, the Global Prophetic Alliance. You can find that at propheticscots.com, where we have a comprehensive training program to lead you into deeper realms of the Spirit of God and encounter. If you feel a call and a pull to deliverance ministry, you can download my latest e-course, which is a comprehensive overview of getting people free from demonic oppression, you'll find that at demonbusting.com. Join us on these different platforms for more interaction with Emma Stark, Sam Robertson and the GPA team.